G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. If you love musical theatre, you will know that the smash hit Broadway production of Hamilton is now playing in Sydney. And it was announced this week it'll begin a season in Melbourne in March next year. Hamilton is the hip-hop musical about a forgotten founding father in the United States, set in the American Revolution, late 18th century, when 13 colonies defeated the British in a struggle for independence. It's described as the most compelling musical of our time. But our special guest today says if you watch it without understanding Alexander Hamilton's spirituality, you only get half the story. Our special guest today is Kevin Cloud. Kevin is the author of the book called God and Hamilton. He says that Hamilton is a modern-day parable that will lead you into a deeper understanding of God's grace, help you battle guilt and shame, challenge you to forgive, inspire your faith, and engage you in the struggle for human equality. Kevin Cloud weaves together insights from the lives of Alexander and Eliza Hamilton and the story of Scripture into a tapestry that challenges readers to re-examine their lives. It's our privilege to welcome Kevin Cloud, the author of God and Hamilton, on the line from Kansas in the United States. Kevin, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. Kevin, let's talk about the huge success of Hamilton the musical. Uh, I mean, I can give you some figures here in Australia, and just for listeners, and this is this is it's it's on in Sydney right now, but 250,000 tickets were sold before the first preview here. But uh, it's been going a number of years in the US. Kevin, what are your thoughts about the success of this Broadway musical? Yeah, it really was unprecedented. I mean, it, it, it opened on Broadway and just immediately became this cultural phenomenon. I mean, people were talking about it everywhere. It was in the media. It was in the press. Gyms were doing Hamilton-themed workouts. Uh, I mean, it really was everywhere. They opened multiple casts that were doing shows traveling the country. It was in Chicago. It, it um, just was playing everywhere and selling out kind of similar to you all. Um, you know, before you could even hear about it, it would be completely sold out everywhere it went. So it really has become kind of a cultural phenomenon that has really struck a chord with people. Well, Kevin, it's a U.S. story, and today you're talking to an Australian audience, and I wonder whether uh, we've got a little bit of moment here as we get into our conversation setting some context, uh, perhaps even just retelling the story. Aussie's not so familiar with U.S. history, but we are talking about the 18th century, so mid to late uh, 1700s. Just generally, can you set a scene for us? Uh, yeah, so so the, the history of Alexander Hamilton, he was actually um, a poor orphan kid from the Caribbean. His his father actually abandoned their family when he was around the age of five, and around the age of 12, his mother died. And so at a very young age, he was, he was a poor orphan kid um, living in the Caribbean. And around the age of 16, a hurricane actually comes and, and devastates the island that Alexander Hamilton is living on. And he pins a letter in response to this natural disaster, really really seeing it through the lens of God and God's activity in the world. 
and and the letter was so beautifully written that the local newspaper picked it up and and published the the, the letter. And some businessmen in the Caribbean, they read this letter and they saw this just incredible intellect in this young man. And they went and found him and had a conversation with him. And they they raised money to send him to America so that he could get his education. And when he gets to America, it's right at the beginning of the American Revolution. And he joins the army um, to fight. He he, um, is really enamored by the idea of being a soldier and going off to war. And he was such a great leader and such a charismatic personality that he very quickly rose through the ranks of the army and ended up being George Washington's right-hand man throughout the Revolutionary War. So just an amazing rise um, through the army to become to become that person. And, and after they won the war, uh, he really was the central figure to building the U.S. government. He served as the Secretary of Treasury with George Washington, and, and most historians would say that, that other than George Washington himself, that Hamilton was the most influential founding father when it, when it came to building this new country. If we're talking about Alexander Hamilton personally, from what I can glean, experienced both remarkable accomplishments and heartbreaking failures. So you've got these tensions or this pendulum swinging between incredible accomplishments and huge failures. And I guess that makes for a great story that can be portrayed in a musical, Kevin. Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, it's, it's part of why the musical is, uh, resonates with people so deeply is I, I think there, there, there is this kind of story of a young man that came from nothing that rose to the highest possible places in the U.S. government and then has these deep personal failures that really ruin his political career, um, almost ruin his marriage. And you see these enormous successes. You see these heartbreaking difficulties. And it, it, not only with him, but a lot of the other characters throughout the musical as well. I mean, it just was such a fascinating time. In, in history and the people that were writing it. And it does. It makes for an amazing story, and it makes for um, a story that most people can relate to as far as uh, accomplishments that people have experienced, but also the difficult failures that we go through as well. The musical production itself is not a Christian production, and in case listeners are thinking that this is somehow a promotion of it as a Christian production, it certainly is not. But this other side of the story, this hidden understanding about Alexander Hamilton, his life, his character. This is what you've focused on, Kevin. And, and of course, uh, he became a well-known hymn writer. And I guess that is a, itself an expression of this spirituality, this Christian depth of spirituality in Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, certainly Alexander uh, lived a life with God. I mean, he, like I said, grew up in the Caribbean and at a very young age did start writing these beautiful hymns. I mean, hymns that, that are still around today that you can look up. And they're just beautiful that talk about his experience of God and, and Christ in his life. And when he went to America, he began going to a Christian school, and, and his roommates would talk about the fervency of his prayers and and, and him, um, just his devout attendance of chapel and, and, and making that a big part of his life. And kind of in the middle age years, it seems like he maybe fell away from the faith. We don't know for sure, but, but it does seem like it's not as prevalent in his letters and in his, in his experience. Uh, but towards the end of his life, uh, you see him once again, um, his kids tell stories of sitting around and having their father read the Bible to them and, and taking notes in the margins. And he dreamed of one day building a chapel on the property that he owned for his family um, on his deathbed, after he, he died in the famous duel with Aaron Burr, as he's dying on his deathbed, he's calling for pastors and priests to come and read him his last rites, and he's, um, you know, declaring his dependence on the mercy of Christ. And, and as he's dying, there's actually a very beautiful story of him telling his wife Eliza again and again and again, remember, you are a Christian, remember, you are a Christian, trying to kind of encourage her and exhort her as she will obviously deal with this enormous loss and heartbreak in his life. But you see these 
these evidences of throughout his life for sure. But I think even more so in the musical, it's, you're right, it's not an explicitly Christian piece at all. That, I mean, if you talk to the creators of, of it, they, that's absolutely true. Um, but I think the, the great themes of the gospel are at the very center of the story, uh, both both of Alexander Hamilton's life, but but the way that the story is told as well. When I saw it first in New York, I just walked away from the theater feeling like I had seen um, a, or experienced a deep sense of God's presence in seeing a story of grace and forgiveness and redemption and and death and despair and forgiveness and and all of these themes that are at the absolute heart of the gospel. I think you describe it as virtually a religious experience at some points through there, as you say, like a deep spiritual impression. And perhaps that comes more deeply because of your own faith. I wonder whether people who are without faith, disconnected from church, whether they're experiencing any of that, or is it a little bit veiled, do you think? You know, it's interesting because there have been a lot of people... um, you know, over the past however many years here in America that have spoke, spoken of seeing Hamilton as a spiritual experience. One, one person I read that didn't identify themselves as a person of faith said that it was like going to church for them um, and that they do experience something um, a bigger than what they are in that, in that theater. And, and I do think it's, it can be a little bit veiled as far as connecting those dots, but, but part of what I'm hoping to do with this book, God and Hamilton, is help people um, connect this experience that they have, this beautiful musical, with these truths about Hamilton's life and the truths that we see in this in this production as well, and help people see how this can be a story that can encourage us and inspire us and, and challenge us in our faith. It seems to me there's a bit of a warts and all story being told here, because as we reflect on someone who is deeply Christian, deeply religious, and yet there's some evident character flaws that we can relate to so deeply. And uh, at that point where Hamilton had an affair and paying the cheated husband blackmail money in order to keep him quiet, uh, this sort of sex scandal is part of the musical itself too, but uh, indicative that even though someone may have a deep founded Christian faith, that does not always uh, result in the perfect life, does it? No, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, the, the famous line, but by the grace of God, there go I, is, is true of every single one of us, that at any moment, any one of us can make a decision or <laughs> um, did struggle with something that can absolutely betray kind of our faith and, and character of how we want to live. Um, yeah, Hamilton, he, so not only does he have an affair, um, but, the, but yeah, the, the cheated husband uh, demands blackmail, and Hamilton continues paying this man to continue the affair with this woman. So it's this ongoing scandal that's happening. And, and people in the government um, started seeing these payments that were happening and seeing this relationship between Hamilton and this man and this woman. And, and rumors were starting to fly. Again, Hamilton was the Secretary of Treasury, which meant he was in charge of the, of the financial aspects of the U.S. government. And people were starting to, to, to gossip, and, and rumors were spreading that Hamilton was basically selling secrets to this family, selling financial secrets about decisions that the American government would be making that, that, that this couple might profit on. And so Hamilton, um, basically in an effort to save his political reputation, he writes um, a full confession of his uh, of affair with this woman in, in these blackmail payments. And, and he does it to try to save his political reputation, but in doing so, he also completely destroys um, you know, the honor of his family, the, the honor of his wife. Um, I mean, I just, I can't imagine the mindset where, where someone would decide to publicly confess these things to try to save their political career. But it, it's, it really is um, Ron Chernow in, in the book that was uh, the biography of Hamilton that the musical was, was really based off of 
says it was one of the most mystifying um, examples of, of poor judgment. And it, it really is true. I mean, he just made one bad decision after another, after another, and just kept d- digging a deeper hole. And yet, and again, that's true of all of us. I mean, we all have, have dug holes that we've um, struggled with. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things that we deeply regret. And it's part of what makes him human and parts of, part of what makes him relatable in the story. Honor is one of those things that must have been very prominent in 18th century United States uh, because we mentioned there that Alexander himself uh, died in a duel. But just some years before he died in a duel, his own son Philip was shot and killed in a duel and defending his father's honor. So this idea of honor must have been quite a powerful theme uh, back in 18th century U.S., yeah, it really was. And, and it's interesting because when you went to the dueling ground, uh, you typically didn't go to try to shoot and kill someone. And, you know, it was, it was a way of defending your honor. And it was a way of going and, and standing up for yourself and standing up for what you said. And, and, and it, was, it was a huge part of the culture. Um, but unfortunately for the Hamilton family, both the son and then later the father were actually shot and killed, which, which wasn't as common. I mean, usually you would, you know, shoot to try to nick a leg or an arm, or, or even sometimes people would just shoot their gun in the air to, to make a statement that they had no intention of actually shooting at someone, but they were there to defend their honor, um, which many people believe is how Alexander Hamilton died, is that he did shoot up into the air, and Aaron Burr, his political rival, rival who really grew to, to hate Hamilton, um, took aim and, and had every intent of shooting to kill and, and hit a Hamilton right in, in, in the chest and the ribs, and, and he was um, later, later did die from those wounds. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, the word got around. They said this kid is insane, man. Took up a collection just to send him to the mainland. Get your education. Don't forget from whence you came. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. My name is Alexander Hamilton. There's a million things I haven't done But just you wait, just you wait When he was ten, his father split Full of it, dead, ridden Two years later, see Alex and his mother bed Ridden, half dead Sitting in their own sick, the scent thick And Alex got better, but his mother went quack Well, it's a conversation today about the hit musical Hamilton with our special guest, who's Kevin Cloud. He's the author of God and Hamilton. Kevin, at that time, and we talk about the Christian uh, foundations in the life of Alexander Hamilton, and uh, around that time, of course, uh, in the 18th century, what was happening not only in Britain but also in the United States was this sweeping Christianity uh, through the Great Awakening. And uh, it was a powerful time of shaping Christianity. And, and no doubt that would have been something that would have influenced Alexander Hamilton. Not sure whether you've got any thoughts on the, on the broader history of the 18th century, but it was a time when people took their faith very, very seriously. Yeah, certainly, certainly it was it was a a huge revival that swept across the country, and and in a lot of ways it was a new way of of experiencing their faith. Um, you know, open field revivals and people preaching not in churches but out in the fields and calling people to daily devotion to Christ. And uh, I mean, it, it was certainly part of the foundation of of what spirituality became in our country. 
In fact, uh, from the little bit of research that I did, of course, uh, religion is present in the musical because there is the scene where George Washington quotes from Scripture and Aaron Burr, who was the arch enemy of Alexander Hamilton, in fact, was the grandson of the fire and brimstone preacher Jonathan Edwards. So there is real connection there to what people would appreciate from the Great Awakening. Yeah, and that's such an interesting connection because, yeah, Jonathan Edwards, who's this amazing um, uh, preacher during that time, uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron Burr becomes kind of the villain in a lot of ways of American history, and not only his duel with, with Hamilton, but, but in a lot of ways, um, you know, people really thought Aaron Burr, or some thought Aaron Burr, was really dangerous to the American democracy experiment. Um, you know, people believed that character mattered in their leaders, and, and out of all the founding fathers, um, some historians <laughs> really do believe that Aaron Burr was um, kind of not up to this up to par as far as his character and and what he was doing it for. I mean, most people think he was out for his own glory, his own reputation, his own political career, as opposed to building this this democracy that so many of the other founding fathers were giving their lives to. In some sense, here when you're looking at the internal conflicts that were happening on the American side, and of course we're talking about uh, the time too in context, the struggle against the British, uh, but you've got this internal conflict. So where you've got Aaron Burr and you've got Alexander Hamilton, you've got in some sense here Christian against Christian, and that's not unusual either in a political context, is it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, there's such huge ideological differences even within Christians sometimes that you certainly see conflicts and and things getting very heated. Although it is interesting, you know, I I joke when I travel and, and preach about about this book and about the story that you know we think we think that politics are heated in this day and age. I mean, back then people pulled out guns and started shooting at each other. I mean, it was just a, a different time and. And it really was kind of a crazy, um, a crazy time for some of those things. Well, Kevin, you bring out in your book the way the story teaches us about grace, about shame, about forgiveness, and about despair, and uh, a lot of those themes that you're able to approach from this deeply Christian, deeply religious perspective. Yeah, and you know, the big picture that I like to talk about is this idea that of the transformational power of story how God can use stories to transform lives, whether it's Hamilton, whether it's a movie you go see, whether it's a book you read, whether it's a song you listen to. Um, story can really change us. There's actually a great quote. Um, a, a professional basketball player and, and his entire team went to go see Hamilton one night in New York, and afterwards they were interviewing him and asking him what he thought about the show. And he had this great quote where he said, that sometimes you're so caught up in your world that you don't really see other things. And so it's great to see other people in their worlds Take things from Hamilton and bring it back to your world. And what I love about that quote is, is it's a story of a, of a man that went to the theater, saw this amazing story on the stage, and saw something true in that story, and saw something inspiring in that story. And but then decided he was going to take those truths back with him, and that they were going to transfer, transform the way that he lived his life. And I think the truth is you see that same idea in Jesus' ministry, right? I mean, you see Jesus traveling the countryside preaching and, and telling stories about the kingdom of God, hoping that his listeners might take those truths, take those ideas, and bring them back to their lives and let them transform how they live today um, as well. And so this idea that story is how God can change us and God can transform us is really powerful. And I think when we embrace that, every time we go to the theater, every time we go to see a movie, every time we read a book is an op- is a, is a opportunity for God to transform us into His likeness.
And in this US context too, the idea of amazing grace that propels this flawed character of Alexander Hamilton to become a key architect in the fledgling democracy. And uh, as you say, driven by grace. And when you talk about this being a parable with scriptural parallels, uh, well, it's too it's too difficult, isn't it? Apart from Jesus to find anybody who uh, really gets it right, there's all sorts of flawed characters throughout the whole Bible. So it's uh, that's where you can get this connection between parable and what's happening in uh, this formation in, in America. That's right. That's right. You, you see these themes... Um, from the gospel at the very center of Hamilton's life, and it does become a parable if we can if we can learn to see them. So this idea of grace that we're talking about, um, you know, we've already mentioned about how Hamilton was this poor kid in the Caribbean without any real future opportunities in, until this hurricane comes, and he writes this letter, and these businessmen come and find him. And I love to imagine that meeting. I love to imagine these businessmen um, sitting down with a young Alexander Hamilton and speaking into his life and telling him, you have potential, son, and we believe in you, and we believe you can make a difference in this world. And it makes me think what a gift of grace our words can be to, to people who are discouraged or struggling or who just need someone to encourage them. And, and our words can be such a gift of grace. Um, but these businessmen, you know, they go beyond that. They put together a fund to send this young man to America. Um, and so so basically everything that Hamilton becomes, and, and like we said earlier, most historians would say he was the second most influential founding father, but, but everything that he becomes is built on this foundation of grace, right? I mean, it's this gift that he was given, that he did not deserve, that he did not earn. It was a gift freely given, and everything is built off of that, off of that, gift, that gift of grace. And I, I, that is true of every single one of us. It's true of me. It's true of all of, our, all of your listeners today. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul said it famously, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And, and that is true of every single one of us. And, and I love the idea that that grace is at the center of Hamilton's story. And wonderful to reflect even on that, which no doubt is a sub-theme, and this idea that driven by grace, if it were not for those businessmen sending him off to get that education, uh, there's a modern parallel in that, in the way that we might see the potential in young people and encourage and support even financially to their development uh, in the things of God. And I'm talking about, uh, you know, Christian things, and uh, but people's education. Uh, the idea that there might be elders who might be looking at the up-and-coming generation and saying, how do we build this character in? How do we build in education so that this one who has that potential can make a difference? Yeah, absolutely. I like to think about how these businessmen felt over the years watching Alexander become who he became. And I, I can't imagine any of them would have thought he would have be, you know, succeeded at any level that he did. I mean, I, nobody could have imagined that. But um, I, I just can imagine the pride and the sense of feeling like God used them to, to send this man off and to become this, this central figure in the, in the revolution and ultimately the building of the, of the United States government. And, and you're right. The, the, the question we can ask ourselves today is, who is in our circles that we can bless, that we can encourage, that we can speak a word of truth to, or that we could support financially, that we could put some of our resources? I mean, some of your listeners just have um, a crazy amount of resources that God has blessed them with, and maybe there's someone in their lives that they can reach out to, that they can give to, that they can support, and we just have no idea how God can use those in our lives. And again, I, I do like to imagine 
how proud and how um, satisfying it must have been for these businessmen to watch Hamilton become what he became. Hey, Kevin, let's talk some more about some of these big themes in Hamilton the musical. And it's not a Christian production, as we said, but there are these Christian themes that you can pick up if you know some of the backstory. Another one of those is around forgiveness. And this is a very strong theme, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's one of the more powerful moments in the entire musical, to be honest. So Hamilton has this affair. He kind of confesses it to try to save his own political career. And really, um, you know, as you can imagine, just just wrecks his wife, Eliza, and, and, and their entire family when they all find out what had happened. And so Eliza, who, who actually was also a woman who walked deeply with God, in fact, in fact, most people would say that her faith was probably even more devout than Alexander's, um, she, she has to wrestle through whether or not she can forgive her husband for this, right? Um, I mean, she, he has betrayed her in the worst possible way, and she has to try to figure out if she can forgive him. And there's one song in the musical called Burn, where uh, you see Eliza, who's so devastated by what's happened, happened that she's burning the love letters that have been written in between her and her husband. And, and it shows kind of the depth of despair that she probably was feeling um, and, and that, that anger that she was feeling as, as she burns probably what is Alexander's maybe one of his most treasured things is, is this collection of love letters that they wrote back and forth over the years. Um, and in another song called Quiet Uptown, um, their son has just been killed on the dueling grounds. Uh, their marriage is in shambles, and, and they're really, really uh, just in a dark place, as you can imagine. And But Alexander continues to reach back out to his wife to try to rebuild their marriage. And, and at the beginning of the song, um, he's singing to her, and he's, he's reaching out to touch her, and she kind of flinches every time he gets close and pulls away from him. But then as the song goes on, she eventually does get to a place of forgiveness. And I love imagining Eliza... Um, praying, reading the scriptures, asking God to help her to forgive this person that had betrayed her so deeply. And she finally gets there. She forgives him. And there's this moment where she takes his hand and they start singing together again. And the whole chorus sings out, forgiveness, can you imagine? And when that moment happens in the theater, you can feel the, the, the atmosphere change. You can feel something shift. It, it is an amazing moment um, in live theater. It's, it's part of what live theater does is it truths happen up on the stage that confront our lives and make us ask questions about us and how we're living. And, and in that moment when she does forgive him, it is just a powerful moment that I think God is speaking to people and, and challenging people to, to follow that example that Eliza sets and forgiving her husband. I imagine for an audience, non-Christian and mixed with Christian, there is a sense in which people can appreciate forgiveness being about a part of the storyline. But if you appreciate the backstory, if you appreciate the depth of spirituality, of Christian faith in both Alexander and Eliza, the idea of forgiveness here is really based in this forgiveness that we understand that comes from God. And when it feels impossible to forgive, that is a, a mechanism for healing. Is that the way it feels in the musical too, do you think? You know, I don't think it goes there in the musical. I think it's it's more of a of a scene where, um, in in a in a in a short song, you see the transition that Eliza makes from from estranged from her husband to um, forgiving him. And so, I don't think it touches on her faith. I don't think it touches on that in that moment. Um, but for me, as a person of faith, again, when I um, when I read more about it, in fact, part of when I fell in love with this story was not just seeing the musical, but when I went back and read the biography. And, and read all of these moments where you just see the faith of Eliza and Alexander um, just so clearly 
in their lives. This was one of them, was, was thinking about Eliza wrestling through that moment and getting, coming to a place of forgiveness. And, and as a person of faith, I just can't imagine anything other than God being such a central part in, in helping her heart soften towards her husband, helping her heart um, find grace for her husband, and helping her heart um, begin to love him again. And, and again, for us, the question is, is, is so relevant. Uh, I mean, who among us doesn't live with some sort of unforgiveness in our hearts where we have been hurt or wronged or betrayed? And, and the question that we have to ask ourselves is, is what would it look like to maybe to begin to pray for God to help us forgive? You know, some of us have been hurt so badly that forgiveness maybe feels like an impossibility. And, and yet, could we say those prayers of God help me at least move towards forgiveness? The other question that's very relevant is, is what's the cost of not forgiving? Um, you know, for those of us that have, have not forgiven people in our lives, what is the cost we pay of living in that unforgiveness? And, and it's real. And I, I think at some level, Eliza probably understood that and, and knew that she had to get to a place of forgiveness. And it's a great uh, model and example for the rest of us to follow. It's hard to forgive. It may be even harder not to forgive. Interesting, while we're talking Alexander and his wife, Eliza, when we start to explore the theme of redemption that flows on from this idea of forgiveness, Eliza is very much a part of that. Yeah, this is one of my favorite themes in the entire book that I wrote, God and Hamilton. It's uh, it happens at the end of the sh- at the end of the musical, and it's this idea. You know, I've heard a definition of redemption that really resonated with me. That it's taking the brokenness of our lives and making it beautiful. And for Alexander, one of the most difficult parts of his life was was being an orphan. And, you know, he was surrounded by the other, or he was surrounded by the other founding fathers that were, came from wealthy families, that came from established families, and, and Hamilton was this, this poor orphan kid from the Caribbean, and often was mocked and ridiculed by some of the founding fathers because of his, his um, history, because of his family. And um, so you can see Eliza, um, as any loving wife would, kind of sharing that burden with him and feeling the, the pain of being an orphan and feeling, feeling that, that hurt and that suffering. And then after Alexander shot and killed on the dueling grounds, a few years later, Eliza, as she worked through her grief, um, felt a call from God, really, to go and build an orphanage. And she and a handful of other women uh, built the first private orphanage in New York City. And it's, the, it's the, really the theme of the main, or the very last song in the musical, is Eliza singing about this orphanage and about these kids that she's investing in. And she says at one point, it's such a meaningful lyric, where she sings out, that in their eyes, I see you, Alexander, I see you every time. So the idea that in these young orphans that she's then giving her life to, that she sees her husband in them. And, and it's this idea that Eliza took that pain, that hurt, um, that embarrassment from Alexander's life, and somehow made it beautiful for all of these other orphans that, that were served and that were blessed by them. I mean, to be an orphan at that time in New York City, you did not have good options of where you could go live and what you could go do. And this became one of those good options. The, the beautiful thing about this story as well is that that orphanage that was started, it still, it still operates today under the name Graham Wyndham in New York City. And it continues to serve and bless families in need in that city. And so it's just a really beautiful story of someone who take who took a very um, hard, difficult part of someone's life and made it beautiful. Kevin, let me ask you about perhaps what for some is a modern controversy in the in the musical because uh, the actors on stage, those who are singing, those who are dancing, those who have roles to play, I know there's been some criticisms uh, that uh, many of those who are on stage in the modern musicals, and I think this is also the case here in Australia, uh, they have dark skin, whereas probably the characters from the 18th century uh, 
uh, were probably white skin. Uh, any thoughts here on the issues around race and the way it's been reinterpreted in a 21st century setting and, and that there may be some political things being said in the musical? Yeah, I think it actually was a, a brilliant casting decision. It's, it's, it's part of what makes it such a important conversation. And, and I'm not sure down in, in, in your country what, what the conversation is happening, but in America, the conversation of race is, is such a central and important conversation that's being had right now. And so in Hamilton, as they cast um, all of the actors as, as, as or not all, but most as, as, as actors of color, um, it brings this conversation to the forefront. It changes the perspective. It, 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 it helps us think through the, the questions of race from a totally new um, vantage point. And I think it's really important. And I think it really brings a lot of the conversations to the forefront. And I think it is an important part of, of the, of the musical and of the casting decision that they made. So I love it that they did it. And I think it was um, just an absolute brilliant choice. And I know that uh, the uh, the writer of the modern musical has been under uh, all sorts of pressure around things, even as they've changed since the musical started. But uh, there is some talk that Hamilton talks about the unfinished revolution, the revolution around slavery, the revolution around uh, human equality. And an interesting thing here, and I'll get your thoughts, uh, because the way the founding fathers in the United States spoke about everyone being equal together. Uh, the way that that's interpreted in the way that things are unfolding uh, with race relations in the 21st century. So we have this sort of 18th century ideal that the founding fathers have and the way that might be interpreted in the present. Any thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, clearly we still haven't arrived, right? I mean, clearly racism is still as you know, just so prevalent today. It's It's an issue that we have to continue to talk about and listen to, um, you know, for me as a white male, I, I think my role is to listen and learn and, and try to understand perspectives from um, people that are different than I am. And that, um, that that's all of our call is to, is to be humble, to be gentle, to listen, to learn, and to try to do anything we can to um, move towards equality in ways that we have not yet still. Well, it has been a wonderful conversation around the musical Hamilton, and I do want listeners to be able to have access to your book. Now, your book is available. Uh, certainly, anyone who searches for it online will be able to find it. Uh, the book is called God and Hamilton, and there is a way you can connect with Kevin Cloud at godandhamilton.com. Uh, and then social media channels, Kevin Cloud Casey, but godandhamilton.com to get a hold of Kevin's book. And I want to change direction here a little, and it's been a wonderful conversation about Hamilton. Uh, but for listeners uh, who've been listening to us, uh, there's something I haven't revealed, and that is that you, Kevin, and your wife, uh, you're a songwriter and a multi-instrumentalist, you and your wife, Alison, are behind a musical called Raw, and it's in its production phase right now. It hasn't been performed yet. You're in Kansas in the United States and you've got a global premiere that's coming up not too far away. But I wonder whether you might let us in on some of the things you're working on more personally. And wonderful to hear your reflections about Hamilton, but you've got a new musical that's in production now. Uh, give us a little insight about Raw. Yeah, so, you know, writing this Hamilton book really did um, inspire me to kind of continue pursuing this idea of how stories can transform people's lives. And, excuse me, somewhere along the line, um, my wife and I kind of came up with this crazy idea of, of a family of dancing bears 
that um, wanted to become the world's first singing and dancing bears. And so it's all about this bear that goes out into the world and tries to have her voice be heard. And, and everywhere she goes, her voice is silenced. And so that's what that musical is about. And we've been in development for three or four years and done a stage reading. And, and um, we're getting close to our premiere, hopefully in the next six months or so. Um, but if people want to listen to music or hear more about that musical, they can find out about that at RoarTheMusical.com. We've got just some great demos that we've recorded and, and some amazing things that have come together um, with that. But <laughs> another example of, again, just the, the idea of storytelling and how God can use story to transform us. We hope that this can become a musical that really inspires everybody to believe that their voice deserves to be heard and, and um, that their voice is valuable and that each one is worthy and does have something worthy to say in this world. Okay, when we're talking about Dancing Bears, are we talking about a children's musical uh, or is there a, an adult theme to the musical that you and your wife have written? Yeah, so we call it a family musical. So, um, you know, it certainly is for, um, you know, the idea of Dancing Bears, as you can imagine, is, is more along the lines of what kids would, would come to the theater to see. Um, but, but we really have written something that we think that um, adults can come and enjoy and really learn a lot from as well. Um, there's a lot of um, um, themes about, about your voice being heard, about equality, about people being acknowledged and recognized. And um, so we really do think that the show can be um, super compelling, not only to bring your kids to, but for the adults there as well. You know, I, I have four boys here at home and there's some movies that I go to that I love and that I get a lot out of. And, and then there's other movies that I go and I just take a two hour nap at. But we, we hope that this musical would be something that the parents can come to as well and really love the music and really love the story and, and get a lot from it as well. Well, I did want to draw attention to it. Uh, you yourself, you have written a musical and Sarah the Dancing Bear, from what I understand, she longs to break free from the system of oppression and establish herself as an equal to the humans as the world's first dancing and singing bear. She eventually runs off to the circus to pursue her dream, but discovering too late that the circus is run by a family of evil clowns. Uh, it's got a bit, of, uh, a bit of a twist and turn in there, no doubt, and uh, certainly something that uh, families are going to enjoy. And no doubt, being a pastor yourself, and is there some spiritual themes that you've interwoven into your musical, Kevin? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I mean that's... Yeah, you know, I'm at, at the center of everything I do is, is this idea of God and what God is doing in my life and what God is, is doing in my heart. And so certainly um, this idea of each person being valuable, each person having a voice, each person deserve, uh, deserving to be heard. Um, certainly, I, I hope that people connect some dots to that idea of, of how inherently valuable each person is and how each person does deserve to have a voice and be listened to. And I know a lot of us um, struggle and are insecure and, and, and aren't quite sure if that's true, aren't quite sure if we do deserve to be listened to, aren't quite sure if we do deserve to have a voice. And um, our hope is that this musical really does empower people. In fact, kind of the anthem song from the musical is called Hear Me Roar. And it's, it's the song where Sarah decides that she's going to sing out and the world is going to hear her, hear her roar. Uh, but we do hope that this musical inspires lots of people to, to make that same proclamation that the world needs to hear what's inside of me. The world needs to hear my hopes, my dreams, my aspirations, and that each person has so much um, creativity and so much to offer to this world. And we, we just hope to inspire those people to go out into the world and, and let the world hear them roar as well. Well, it so happens I've got an excerpt from one of the tracks, and it is that main, uh, that title track, 
uh, called Hear Me Roar. Why don't we take a few moments just to have a little listen in, a little excerpt from what's coming with Kevin and his wife Alison, their musical Roar. This is a little taste and uh, for musical theatre lovers, you may love what you're about to hear. The world's about to see what I can do. You better look out, I'm coming through. I'm singing out, my voice is gonna soar No longer held back by all my fears This world's gonna hear me roar Hear me roar Just a little taste of a musical that's in production now. 
And uh, Kevin Cloud and his wife are behind that one. It's called Raw. Keep your eye out for it. And uh, wonderful today, Kevin, to just get your insights into the hip-hop musical Hamilton. And just to point listeners one more time to your website, God and Hamilton. You're the author of the book called God and Hamilton. Uh, so uh, for people to get a hold of it, uh, it's an, an easy thing to do, I guess. Uh, and following you on social media, for those listeners that might want to keep up with your new musical too, Kevin Cloud Casey. Uh, so uh, people following you, but uh, looking forward to good things and good news uh, into the near future. And you might like to keep us in the loop as things go with the world premiere that's coming up for Raw the Musical coming sometime soon. But Kevin, uh, just... Yeah, well, having me on, I appreciate it so much. It's been such an honour. And, and yeah, it's been so fun talking with you all. So thank you for the conversation. Godandhamilton.com. Kevin Cloud, thanks so much for joining us on 2020. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.